Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Ray Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm and friendly hello. Welcome to Love You Las Vegas from Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Craig Peterson. Got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. Going to be joined by Ben Wilson of the Vegas Ads and Information Network. You can catch him weekends on the VEASAN Bet Center. He also does a terrific job with a little bit of everything around VEASAN. He does some production work. You catch him filling in on quite a few shows as well. He's always great when he rejoins this podcast. And he's going to be joining me once again. We're going to be taking a look at some of these postseason races and what it means with regards to the games that we're going to be seeing today in Futures Games. And he takes a little bit of a different approach when it comes to betting futures. He does a little bit more hedging. So he's going to be discussing that a tad as well, just his philosophy with that. And it's going to be an absolutely terrific chat there. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys sign total on every game on the betting board for this Wednesday. And a little something like call, touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. You've got one or two ways to be able to pray those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, 
It is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're about firing whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but had a great day baseball on Tuesday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Cleveland Indians and Minnesota Twins wound up playing two yesterday, and we wound up seeing... Both teams wind up taking one of these games, but biggest takeaway from this one, Tristan McKenzie continues to be money for you as he was able to get the job done and lead the Indians to victory in game one by a count of three to one. By the way, the Indians are now four and one in his last five starts. Gives up one run over the course of six innings and then Emmanuel Classe comes in for the save. Bradley Zimmer in the fifth inning took a Joe Ryan ball about 500 million feet for his seventh home run of the season and for Ryan, that was really all he gave up. He wound up giving up that solo run over the course of five innings. He was out. Jorge Alcala gives up nothing in his inning of work, but Danny Colombe, he comes in, gives up two runs in an inning, so the Cleveland Indians were able to get it done there. And then the Twins would get their revenge in game two by kind of 6-3. Logan Allen gives up four runs over the course of three and two-thirds innings, as he now has an ERA of 7-11. Very fitting as he's always open to giving up runs. And then from there, Trevor Steven winds up giving up two runs in one and two-thirds inning. Sam Hentages comes in for the final two odds. And for the Cleveland Indians, they actually do go three of four with Ben in scoring position, but the Twins were able to get a home run off the bat of Ryan Jeffers. 13th home run season, Charlie Barnes looked more like Charlie Brown giving up three runs over the course of four innings, but Kyle Bearclaw along with Juan Manaya and Alex Colome I'll give you a scoreless inning, so... That's how that double dip wound up going. This one wound up going 11 innings, and we had one run in the game. The Detroit Tigers and the Milwaukee Brewers played a marathon because, well, this game also wound up having a rain delay in it. 1-0. The Tigers wind up getting it done. Good news for the Brewers is that Freddie Peralta, after two rocky starts, is coming out the injured list. Look great. Nine strikeouts, six innings of scoreless baseball. Brad Boxberger, Devin Williams, Josh Shader, Jake Cousins. I'll give you a scoreless inning, and then Hunter Strickland winds up giving up a walk-off double as being able to rip that walk-off double to be able to win the game. That'd be Derek Hill as Willie Peralta, the former Brewer. He was able to stick it to his old team. Gave up two hits, no runs over the course of six innings. Derek Hall and Kyle Funkhauser combined for two scoreless innings. Gregory Soto gives you two scoreless innings, and Brian Garcia gives you a scoreless inning. So, not a whole lot of scoring. The Milwaukee Brewers offense certainly has been a little bit up and down recently, as this is a bunch in which they have scored either 10 runs or 4 runs or fewer, and now pretty much each other last 6 games alternating, so that has been a little bit interesting to watch. What else is interesting is, a lot of teams with postseason aspirations, well, they're not coming through right now. The Cincinnati Reds wind up losing to the poopy Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of 6 of 5. For the Reds, Wade Miley was not having a party out there in Pittsburgh. Six runs, five of which were earned, give it up in four and a third innings. Now, the bullpen did their part. Amir Garadu has not been seen in quite a while. He gives you a scoreless inning, Luis Sessa. Two scoreless, and Justin Wilson gave you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. And Nick Cassianos was able to get his 29th home run season. But for the Buckos, they go 6 of 12 with men in scoring position. Dylan Peters has actually been able to do a relatively solid job in his limited amount of starts for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Team is now 3 and 2 in his starts as he winds up going five scoreless innings. Nick Mears very nearly lit this game on fire, giving up four runs in an inning. Jason Treve, two scoreless innings, and then Chris Tran allows that home run to Nick Cassianos, but it was a solo shot, so the Pirates were able to get that W. The Philadelphia Phillies lose to another bottom-feeding NL Central team as the Cubs get a 6-3 win against the Philadelphia Phillies, and Adrian Sampson has a 2.53 ERA. His ERA was north of 5 in the Korean baseball organization last year, by the way. So he's found something, giving up two runs over the course of five innings, including a home run. That was to Odubo Herrera, his 13th of the season. 
from there, Manuel Rodriguez winds up giving up a run and an inning, but you wind up having from there Scott Efrost, Rowan Wick, and Tommy Nance. I'll give you scoreless settings and a pair of home runs for the Chicago Cubs as the 26th home run of the season was had for Patrick Wisdom. And then Alfonso Rivera's was able to get his first home run season as Kyle Gibson has been seeing a little bit of regression recently. Gives up four runs, including those two homers, over the course of his five innings. I was now giving up three plus runs in each out of his last three starts. From there, J.D. Ammer was able to give you a scoreless setting along with Archie Bradley and Bailey Falter, but Sam Coonrod gives up two runs in two-thirds of an inning. Cam Bedrosian had to come in to be able to give you an out, and now the Philadelphia Phillies sit at 72-72, and 72, three games out of the wild card as that second wild card spot is now held by the St. Louis Cardinals as they get it done against the New York Mets, 7-6 in 11 innings for the St. Louis Cardinals. Tyler O'Neill was able to get a big home run in the 8th inning off of Jurisic Familia. 26th home run season. Familia, Spanish for blown save as he winds up giving up that home run. Now it's his ERA at 4 for the first time all year, giving up 2 runs in a 3rd of an inning. Marcus Stroman pulled after 89 pitches. Uh, a lot of people were not happy about that. He gave up 2 runs over the course of his 6 innings. Aaron Loop gives you a scoreless setting and then you wind up having Trevor May give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Edwin Diaz, Ethan Embry both give you a scoreless setting and then it was Mr. Jake Reed who gave up 3 runs, 2 of which were earned over the course of his Third of an inning as Trevor Williams had to get the final two outs. And for Javi Baez, he was able to get his 31st home run season. That forced extras as that came off Giovanni Gallegos. As the bullpen issues of the St. Louis Cardinals are prevalent as the Woodford, Jake Woodford, gives up two runs over the course of four innings. Daniel Ponce Leon gives up a run in a third of an inning, but Cody Whitley gave you five outs out of the bullpen. Same with Genesis Cabrera without giving up a run. Luis Garcia gave you none out of the bullpen, but then Giovanni Gallegos gives up that home run to bias at force extras, but Alex Reyes was able to give you a scoreless inning, and Kwon Young Kim does give up two unearned runs in the 11th inning as he was hurt by his own throwing error, and for that matter, there were two errors by the St. Louis Cardinals, both by pitchers, so wind up having that going on, but the Cardinals were able to get it done, and now they take control of that second wildcard spot, and a team that is currently in the for that second wild card spot, that would be the San Diego Padres, and well, they wound up losing. That game is in the bottom of the eighth, so we'll get into that in a second. But you also wound up seeing out there with regards to NL East teams, the Washington Nationals, as they wind up getting an eight to do win over the Miami Marlins for the Marlins. They wound up getting both of their runs off of solo home runs off of the bat of someone that was very unlikely in Luis Diaz. His fourth and fifth home runs of the season were the team's lone two runs. He now has five home runs and seven RBI. So. He's hitting a lot of solo shots right now. Jesus Cesardo, not a great start once again. He gives up four runs in four and a third innings, and ever since getting to Miami, he's got an ERA north of seven. Sean Gunther, not great here. He gives up three runs over the course of an inning. You wind up having from there Steve Norkirk giving you a scoreless inning along Taylor Williams and a pair of outs out of the bullpen from Zach Thompson, who I don't know why he's not starting right now. He's actually been relatively solid for the team. Discussion for another day, but Eric Fetty Wap had it going on. He was the trap queen in this one, giving up a solo home run over the course of five innings. He also had one of those solo home runs given up by Andres Machado in his inning, but you were able to get Austin Volt and Wonder, I swear this guy sucks. A pair of scoreless innings along Alberto Baladano as for the Washington Nationals. They got a home run off the bat of Ryan Zimmerman, his 14th home run of the season. Teams in the American League West did not wind up having the world's greatest day as the Houston Astros wound up getting clobbered by the Texas Rangers by a count of 8-1 and regression for Zach Greinke on the road is beginning. Eight runs, seven of which were earned, were given up over the course of five innings by him including not one, not two, but three home runs. Adolis Garcia's 30th home run of the season. DJ Turned Up Peters, his 12th home run season and the 10th in his last 30 games. And Nate Lowe, his 15th home run season. It's Jordan Lyles, who's been terrible all year. 
Seven scoreless innings. Gerald Cotton gives you a scoreless inning, and then Josh Shorbich winds up giving up a run in an inning, but a dominant display by the Texas Rangers. Good news for the Astros. Bullpen pieces look good in this one. Brooks Raley, Blake Taylor, Yimi Garcia, all able to give you a scoreless inning. The Oakland A's, they wound up having a nice lead over the Kansas City Royals, and then the Kansas City Royals erupt for a combined six runs between the sixth and seventh innings to be able to get the job done in this one by a count of 10 to 7 as the A's got up by a count of 6 to 0 on this one, and well, that is not good when you wind up blowing a 6-0 lead against the Kansas City Royals. As in this one, one Frankie Montas did not give a lot of length, giving up four runs over the course of three and a third innings in a bullpen that has been highly reliable, unreliable in this one. Deolis Guerrero was able to give you five outs out of the bullpen without giving up a run. Jake Diekman a pair of outs, and then you wound up getting a scoreless inning out of Domingo Acevedo, but you wound up also having Submergio Romo give up a two-run homer in this one in his inning as going deep for the Kansas City Royals. Salvador Perez, he would go deep off of Yasmeto Petit, who wound up giving up four runs in this one. 43rd home run of the season. Hunter Dozier would get a home run off of Mr. Montas, his 12th of the season. And then you had the first career home run for young center fielder Kyle Isbell. That winds up coming off of Mr. Sergio Romo, and I mentioned Yasmeto Petit a little bit earlier, the four runs he gave up. He got one out in the process, so the Oakland A's bullpen that was looking very good a little bit ago. Well, right now it has become unreliable. The Chicago White Sox seem to be figuring out their bullpen, though, and the offense is online as they wound up getting back Tim Anderson yesterday, and they wound up getting back to business. They take down the LA Angels by kind of 9-3. For the Angels, Packy Naughton was unable to duplicate the magic they had in his last start against the San Diego Padres. Went five scoreless there in this one. Two and two-thirds innings, he gives up four runs, all of which were earned, including home run. Andrew Wants winds up giving up three runs, all of which were earned, including a homer in his inning. You wind up having four outs of the bullpen from Oliver Ortega giving up two runs. But the good news is they are finding a little bit of something in Kyle Tyler. This is like the second time in two weeks in which he's come in for a three-inning long relief appearance, and he gives up nothing in this one. So that was solid. And for the LA Angels, pair of home runs in this one. Jared Walsh is 27th home run season, I believe his fifth since the All-Star break. So he's been struggling. And Phil Gosselin was able to get his sixth as Shoy Otani, sitting right around the Mendoza line ever since July 28th as Lucas Gilito comes off the injured list. Didn't necessarily look strong. Gave up both of those homers, three total runs over the course of four innings. But bullpen look good. Jace Fry, Ryan Burr, Aaron Bummer, Jose Ruiz, Mike Wright Jr. All are able to give you a scoreless setting, so an easy W for the White Sox. The Colorado Rockies are all of a sudden figuring out something on the road. 5-4, to four, they take down the Atlanta Braves. Now, it's not great, but 16-17 and 17 in their last 33 road games is relatively respectable, especially considering they began 6-33 and 33 on the road to begin the year. And for the Colorado Rockies, pair of home runs in this one. Brandon Rogers, 12th home run season. And then you get Trevor Sorry, his 22nd home run of the campaign. Those both come off of Tuki Toussaint, who gives up both of those home runs. Four runs in total over the course of four innings. From there, Jacob Webb, Richard Rodriguez both give you a scoreless inning. Jesse Chavez gives up a run and an inning. And Sean Newcomb, two scoreless innings. And Adam Duvall was able to go deep for the Bravos. Gets his 35th gopher ball of the season. That comes off of Ulysse Jacine after John Gray. Gave a relatively solid start. Giving up two runs over the course of five innings. Jacine gives up that home run. Two runs in total over the course of his inning. But Daniel Bard, Tyler Kinley, Carlos Estevez. All able to give you a scoreless inning for the Rockies to be able to get the job done there. The Tampa Bay Rays in our New York post play of the day winds up getting the job done. 2-0. to zero. They take down the Toronto Blue Jays and... They are all of a sudden in massive chase in this wild card as the Yankees and the Blue Jays are both tied atop the wild card. The Red Sox currently find themselves in a dogfight with the Seattle Mariners behind them, and the Oakland A's are starting to lose themselves a little bit in this one. But for the Tampa Bay Rays, Drew Rasmussen, five scoreless innings 
Only won 52 pitches, but you didn't see any fuzz because this is a team that they know their role. And from there, Pete Fairbanks, JT Jargois, David Robertson, along to Andrew Kittrich. I'll give you a scoreless setting and pair of solo home runs for the Rays. Get it done for them. Brandon Lau is 34th home run season off of Tim Maza. And then G-Man Choi goes deep off of Jose Barrios for his 10th home run season. And for Barrios, tough luck loser in this one. He gives up a solo home run over the course of seven innings, and that was it. Tim Maza gives up that solo home run in his inning, and Adam Simber, a scoreless inning, but the Blue Jays, Three hits in this one. Absolutely nothing doing for them. Absolutely nothing doing for the Baltimore Orioles, which that's to be expected. 7-2. The New York Yankees wind up being able to get it done as Garrett Cole continues to look good coming off the COVID IL. Two runs or fewer given up in every one of his starts since coming off the COVID injured list. He is currently the betting favorite for American League Cy Young, and it's hard to debate that at this point as he gave up one run over the course of five innings. Michael King, three scoreless innings of relief, and then Sal Romano gives up a run in a third of an inning, and then Aroldis Chapman gets a pair of punch outs be able to close out this game and for the Yankees it was just home run derby in this one they were just hitting a bunch of solo and two run shots John Carlos San 28th home run season DJ LeMayu his 10th home run season Joey Gallo's 34th home run season Aaron Judge's 34th home run season and Luke Voigt his 10th as Mr. Alexander Wells gives up five runs over the course of four innings, including three bombs. Spencer Watkins gives up two solo home runs in his two innings of work. Marco C. Plan was able to give you a scoreless setting. And then Eric Hanhold was able to give you two scoreless settings. So Yankees continue to ascend up the playoff picture. And from one team ascending in the playoff picture to a team that is doing the absolute opposite, that'd be the San Diego Padres, who are now 8-21 and in their last 29 games as they lose the San Francisco Giants by a count of 6-1, but I can't necessarily say that I feel bad for them. You get what you deserve when you trot out there, Jake Arrieta, who winds up giving up three runs in three and two-thirds innings. He gave up a home run to Buster Posey, his 18th home run season. He wound up doing a bad job on a pickoff play that led to run scoring, and yeah, it was not great. Tim Hill from there winds up giving you an out of the bullpen. You wind up having newly picked up Ross Detweiler give you an ending out of the bullpen. That's when you're in trouble. Mark Lance gives up two runs, one of which was earned. Hasn't had too many save opportunities because this team has stunk recently to Bill Chrisman. Why is he giving you a pair of outs out of the bullpen along Danny Hudson and Pierce Johnson? Gives up a run in one and a third innings, but this is a Padres team that also scored the fewest runs per game in the National League ever since the beginning of the month of August, and they couldn't get to Anthony Scalfani. Six and two-thirds innings, gives up one run. Tony Watson gives you an out of the bullpen, and then Tyler Rogers and Comilio Duval both give you a scoreless setting for the Giants. This is their eighth straight win and their longest win streak of the season despite being 95-30. and 50. Yeah, they have been really, really good this year. And for Posey's 18th home run of the season, you wind up also having the LA Dodgers take care of business. This NL West race, by the way, is just a whole lot of fun. 8-4 to four the final. For the Arizona Diamondbacks, Luke Weaver. Didn't look like vintage Luke Weaver in this one. Gives up four runs, three of which were earned, including Homer. Going deep for the Dodgers, Max Muncie, his 33rd home run season. And then you'd have Will Smith get jiggy with it off of Jake Ferry, his 24th home run season. Trey Turner down for what? His 22nd home run the campaign. Those both come off of Jake Ferry, giving up those two solo home runs in two and two-thirds innings. Brett DeGeis, why a guy with a 7.47 ERA is still getting relief opportunities? I have no idea, but he gives up two runs in an inning. Joe Manat typically gives you an out at the bullpen, and then you wind up getting a scoreless inning of Tyler Clippard, and the lone form of offense for the years in the Diamondbacks, the Marte Parte of Quitel Marte. A three-run homer, his 12th home run season that comes off of Justin Brule, gives up three runs over the course of his inning for the Dodgers. This is the sixth game that they played over in their last 27. Tony Gonsolin, by the way, some surprising length in this one. Third time all year. He's went north of four and two-thirds innings, going five scoreless innings. David Price from there, a scoreless inning. Blake Tryon, Kenley Jansen, 
both give you a scoreless inning. And this one is still in progress. I have to post this up by midnight Pacific, but we now know how this one's going to go as the Boston Red Sox put up a five spot in the eighth inning. It's currently 7-2 Red Sox in the bottom of the eighth as it was not a bad start from Tyler Anderson, but he didn't wind up lending a lot of length. He winds up going four and a third innings, giving up one run, including a homer. He wound up jacking up his pitch count to 90 going deep. Off of him was J.D. Martinez, his 26th home run season. And then things turned into a calamity in the eighth as Alex Verdugo capped it off with a 13th home run of the season. Bobby Dahlbeck earlier in the game, 22nd home run campaign off of Anthony Machevich. For Machevich, gives up one run in an inning. Casey Sadler gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Josh Smith gives up a run in an inning. And then Drew second rider, who's been very consistent for the team all year, entered into this game sub-2 ERA, gave up three runs in a third of an inning, and Yohan Ramirez gives up a run in his two-thirds of an inning. And for the Boston Red Sox, Got a really good start out of Nathan Eovaldi. He does give up two runs, but only one of which was earned. He was hurt by a Hunter Renfro error out there in the field. Punched out nine. From there, Darwin's and Hernandez along with Adam Adovino combined for two scoreless innings. And, well, if the Seattle Mariners wind up coming back, I'm going to be making a little bit of an edit on this one. But there's no need to get this all edited up because we know how things are going in Major League Baseball right now over the last 30 days with, obviously, few of these results pending. We have seen a lot of unders recently in the last 30 days. 198 unders at 171 overs, so right around 53.8% of games have been going under recently. Home teams in this time span, 205 and 191, so hitting at a rate of just below 52%, and favorites, 228 and 163, so they're cashing a little bit over 58% of the time in the last seven days, by the way. Favorites, 47 and 44, a little bit over 51% home teams, 47 and 44, so right around 52% there, and overs have had a little bit of a better run of it recently. 45 overs, 39 unders, so a little bit over 53% of games have been over over the last seven days. And for the season, unders still have a lead of 1,035 and 1,021. Meanwhile, favorites overall for the year hitting right around 59.3%. 1,269 and 870. Meanwhile, home teams, 1,170 and 990. So hitting at a rate of about 54.2%. So that's what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Tuesday. And that's what we're all seeing trend-wise. Now let's bring on a man that is going to be talking to us a little bit about futures. Going to be looking at the board with me for this wonderful Wednesday. And a man that does a great job of hedging when it comes to futures as well. That would be Ben Wilson of the Vegas Sets and Information Network. Going to have that chat next right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is great to be joined by our guest as this man does some terrific work over there with the Vegas Ads and Information Network. You're able to catch him weekends on the VEASAN Bet Center. He's going to be doing that all year long with Jeff Parles. Also does some stray other things as well. We've seen him on the Lombardi line a few times during the summer. Guy has a lot of versatility and does a great job, as it is Ben Wilson joining me on the podcast. And if the name sounds familiar from other places, also does some great work when it comes to play-by-play work, mostly out here on the West Coast. And to be able to follow Ben on Twitter, that is at Ben underscore Wilson, and then another underscore and the number one. And Ben, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. You always have the most outstanding introductions of any podcast host I know. So thorough. There's nothing else that you needed to add on my resume. You are too kind, my friend. It's always great to be on with you. I appreciate you joining me, and I do appreciate the fact that we are in the last few weeks of the baseball regular season, and we've got some great action going on, both of us being natives of the state of Wisconsin. I think that we should feel very secure in the Milwaukee Brewers being able to make the postseason, but 
out there in the NL Central, you've got two other teams that are fighting for a playoff spot, the Cincinnati Reds and the St. Louis Cardinals, no doubt. The Reds have a little bit of an easier go of it. Both of these teams are looking to be able to supersede both each other and also the San Diego Padres, who they just look lost right now. And when I take a look at the National League playoff picture, got to be putting the Reds as the favorite to be able to get that second wild card spot. But at the same time, I just don't know if I necessarily feel good about the Reds being able to actually pull it off just because when you take a look at this Reds team, sure, they do certainly have the easiest schedule of anyone out there, but I just take a look at this team night in and night out, and it just feels like there's a little bit of something missing because it just feels like there are some stretches in which they go into, for lack of a better term, just a baseball ditch. I can't quabble with anything you're saying, Greg, and you think about kind of middling the whole idea of, all right, reality with the concept of their easy schedule. And yeah, look at what's happened past week, and I think it was probably, for them, a really alarming start to the month. We had a series at home against St. Louis where you really could have taken the Cardinals out of the race, in all honesty, and you lose two of three at home, you turn around, you lose two of three at home to Detroit, you lose two of three in Chicago against the Cubs, and then you go right back on the road and in uh, St. Louis in that rematch of a series, and you lose two or three there. So, like, even though it's two Pirates series and a National series, actually three Pirates series and a National series, yeah, I'm not sure how much I still trust them. And I think a lot of this as well, I know we've talked about this before, is just trying to figure out the longevity for many of these young starting pitchers. They have asked a lot out of a number of these starters, especially when you think about some of the injuries midseason. And for as much as I love Derek Johnson as a pitching coach, I mean, we've seen Vladimir Gutierrez. I think before I've been on here on your show in the past, Greg, we've talked about maybe some potential regression for him. And I don't want to go as far as to say that I think he's completely hit a wall, but some of his starts started to get a little more spotty and erratic when you watch him on the mound. And so Gutierrez fits that bill. Uh, Wade Miley, who really has a track record of being outstanding for in the last three, four years since he's been over that 30-year-old mark, you know, now in his age 35 season. And so there's a lot of questions I have just with these guys' durabilities. And for as much as the early storyline was around Luis Castillo and just how unlucky he got, I think we've seen a lot of that positive regression come back. And I think things have really evened out for him to the point where, uh, yeah, now he's not really a bet-on pitcher anymore. We've seen some of those struggles as well. So it is just a fascinating race. If there's one, you know, we talked, to, I think last time, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, it was like 100-1 to 1 to win the NL pennant, which, again, is just totally taking a flyer on them coming out, being that second wild-card team, and then you basically just can edge off with having a really huge price. It would not stun me still at this point, Greg, given the cardinal voodoo magic we've seen of years past. I know that's not a scientific handicap by any means. It would not surprise me to see them steal that second wild card spot, and I would expect them to get blasted in that wild card game. But that's not going to surprise me at this point. You'd have been hard-pressed to find me saying that about a month ago. It is so interesting to see what we're going to be able to get on Wednesday from both of these teams because I have zero faith in Mitch Keller whatsoever being able to pull off one against these Cincinnati Reds. He has been able to do a little bit of a a better job of being able to limit the walks, but I just take a look at him night in and night out, and it has not materialized for him. Meanwhile, when you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals trotting out there, John Lester, he surprisingly looked a whole heck of a lot better recently. He's given up two runs or fewer, and now four out of his last six starts, he's going up against a guy in Tyler Miguel for the New York Mets, in which, well, it has been documented by our good buddy Josh Towers over there, and he said just how big of a train wreck this New York Mets team has been. Now, they have been significantly better at home, but with the Mets laying right around minus 140 to minus 145, 
against the St. Louis Cardinals. I cannot advocate for a play on the Mets in this spot, especially with the fact that the Cardinals, though the bullpen has been a little bit shaky, have been getting quite a bit out of guys like Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt in that lineup. No, they really have. And I feel like this is one of those series, obviously we talked Tuesday night, the series is getting underway. Feels like a series where they give me three shots with the Cardinals at a pretty nice plus price. I feel pretty good that you're walking away out of that series with a profit if you're just betting this blindly. And for, yes, the idea that we would actually feel confident whatsoever backing John Lester, that's again, I think the last time I was on your podcast, Greg, it was a, it was a Lester-Woodruff matchup. And I, I usually don't give out a whole lot of big favorite run lines, but that was one scenario where I felt really good about it. And I think that was a game the Brewers won by one, so they didn't cover. And Lester pitched really well. It was uh, the bullpen that let him down. So outside of a couple weird spots for Alex Reyes, I, you have a pretty good sense of the bullpen. And I think part of that as well, Giovanni Gallego, since being given that closer's role, it's amazing just how quickly things can change. I mean, three months ago, Alex Reyes was in the middle of literally a historic start to a career as far as consecutive games saved to begin a major league career. And here we are, Greg, it's the second week in September and he's lost his job. And Giovanni Gallego, I think always you would agree with this, Greg, I think a uh, Always a sleeper out of that bullpen, a guy with a really live arm. They used him at times as a starting pitcher in that Cardinals organization and in the system. And look, his last four outings, they've used him a lot over the last week, but it's because he's been so efficient and he hasn't gone more than 15 pitches in any of his last four saves. So I think it's a spot and they will be a slightly less priced underdog. They were a pretty big underdog coming into the first game of the series, but I still think it's worth taking a shot on St. Louis in those spots. You know, both of these teams are fighting for playoff positioning and I also think, too, it's hard to expect the Mets. have been asking so much of them now for the past month. They come off just incredible emotional high, crazy series with the Yankees. Had all sorts of twists and turns. And as a result, I'm thinking of where the Cardinals come in from a confidence standpoint, I really do like them just on the basis of the series. And that's regardless, really, of the outcome in game number one. I agree with you. And with the Mets, it just certainly has been Murphy's Law hitting them as well because they've been looking to guys like Tyler McGill and company for some good starts because Jacob DeGrom has been on the shelf. So... What looked to be very solid for the New York Mets has really nipped them in the butt. Though I will say, bullpen has actually been very solid for the Mets this year, which I didn't think I would ever say about the New York Mets, but has been the case for them this year. As we do have Ben Wilson of the Vegas Ads and Information Network joining me on the podcast. And something else I think is going to be very intriguing for this Wednesday is when you wind up taking a look at this matchup between the Colorado Rockies and the Atlanta Braves because the Rockies... As we remember, they started out the year 6-33 and on the road. They couldn't win a game to save their lives, but they've been playing spoiler a lot here in the second half of the year. They've won a couple games against the likes of the Padres and the Dodgers on the road. They're 15-17 and going into Tuesday night on the road in their last 32 games, which, I mean, it's not great or anything like that, but considering they started 6-33, and that's actually relatively rock solid. And you find an Atlanta Braves team that is a $2 favorite against them, and while I think that the Atlanta Braves should be a favorite, I feel like this is a little bit of an overvaluing of the Atlanta Braves just because the Rockies have been able to stabilize a little bit on the road. And the guy that's going to be going for the Rockies, Antonio Sensatella, has actually been really good ever since the All-Star break. Yeah, I'll say this, Greg. The numbers, and we've talked about this all year, those numbers, and especially the recent trends as well that have not gotten any better for the road performance out of Colorado. You're a brave soul if you really want to back the Rockies. Like there's so many options on the board. That's what I'll say as far as actually that. And I think the bookmakers though have priced that into the line pretty accordingly. We've seen a lot of spots where I just think 
I don't disagree with you, Greg, on principle where they've been in a lot of good spots just because the numbers should not be that high. But at this point of the season, too, with Colorado, we've seen how this has been, just from a pure statistical standpoint, one of the biggest anomaly single seasons of any major league franchise that we have seen in our lifetimes, Greg, and in the modern era. And that's not really, I don't think that is a statement that is just completely over the top. Like, when are you ever going to see again splits? that drastic for a team like Colorado, who, again, is as mediocre of a team as it gets, decent talent. You mentioned Sensatella, who's had his moments this year, some nice pitching and some nice hitting pieces, but overall never a team that any of us really expected to contend. And, yeah, I'll say this for Huascar Yanoa, who's starting tonight, really been solid at home specifically, and it, it does, I guess, play into the matchup. I think why you're seeing that price a little bit high was just pounded, and not to the degree we've seen some pitchers pounded in Coors, but he did struggle that was just last week in that start against the Rockies. Didn't get through and gave up four runs in that spot. But it's not a spot you're going to find me backing the dog, Greg. Even if I think on principle you're right with the inflated price, this is one of those that you can just file into the no-play, stay-away category for me. Yeah, I do not blame you there. And what I can't blame you on as well is having questions with the Seattle Mariners. But with about two and a half weeks left in the regular season. Here they are still in the thick of it in the wild card on. I think that this has been one of the most incredible things I've ever seen because when you just look on run differential and run differential along with the Seattle Mariners entering into Tuesday night, negative 56. To put this into perspective, the Detroit Tigers at 68 and 76, their run differential, negative 57. So one run worse of the Seattle Mariners who find themselves Still very much in the hunt for the wild card. And you got Marco Gonzalez who's going to be going for them. And they're finding themselves right around a plus 110 to a plus 115 home underdog against Tanner Houck and company for the Boston Red Sox. And while Houck has not been able to get a win for the Red Sox, certainly has performed very well. But I think that this is a little bit of a tricky spot because you do have a total of eight. And we've seen Marco Gonzalez pitch really well. Three runs or fewer, give it up in nine out of his last 10 starts. And I mentioned it with Houck. Hasn't been able to win a start all year long, but... Three runs or fewer surrendered in every single one, but one of his appearances throughout his 14 starts, 15 career appearances at the major league level. I think that this is going to be another one of those close games, and we've seen it time and time again with the Seattle Mariners. Maybe their run, maybe their luck is going to run out eventually, but they have been so good in these one-run games at 31 and 18. They have. I feel like I've been a broken record talking about Tanner Houck. My love for him is not just because him and I are both University of Missouri proud <laughs> Tiger alums, Tanner Houck, following the long list of story pitchers from the great University of Missouri. But look, his numbers have been great. And the only hang-up is that they have not been letting him pitch deep in the games. Coming off, I should say, probably his worst start of the year, his last time out. This is actually the only thing that I really like for the cards. We look at the Wednesday slate would be Looking at the Red Sox in the first five, and that's strictly just because how his longest start all year has been five and a third. And I feel like we're like a time machine, Greg. We're just going back. It's like every time we talk about the Mariners, it's it's the same story of when will this run end? And at least for Marco Gonzalez, it's been really tough to go against. It feels like there are going to be some spots where that regression is coming. And look, Boston, from a hitting perspective, has still been solid for the most part. We talked, I know, throughout the early part of the season about what we expected from a bounce back from the likes of J.D. Martinez leading that lineup. And the production is really sustained, even though as a team, they've really struggled from just a wins and losses standpoint, but the lineup has been there. It's just been a disaster in the bullpen. And as soon as you thought you had some stability there, Matt Barnes starts to lose it a little bit. Adam Adovino, not the guy that I think a lot of people remember from his time in Colorado and New York with the Yankees. So I think this is a spot where I don't really trust Boston full game. The Mariners, look, let's call it what it is, Greg. It's been a charm season. And at this point, whatever the run differential, whatever the advanced analytics say, 
So Mariners team, while they might not make the playoffs, I feel pretty confident in saying they're going to hang around that two to three game range. That whole cluster really of the, the Boston, Toronto, Yankees, uh, A's group right there. But in a spot like this for Gonzalez, I keep waiting for that regression and a, a guy with a field independent pitching of almost a run and a half over his actual ERA of 403 right now. He's a guy who I mean, has certainly done a great job of limiting walks, but doesn't strike out many guys. And I think against this Red Sox lineup, free swinging team, I think it is a pretty good matchup for them on the road. I just don't trust them for a full game right now with, with having just watched them on a day-to-day basis the past couple months. But Combine that with Hauk, that's really the only thing that you can give me a whole lot of conviction in is Red Sox first five. When we see that released here this morning, probably going to be similar to what we're seeing on that full game price right around that minus 120 or so range. Yep, I can tell you right now, I'm actually going to be writing this one up for the New York Post, this Red Sox versus Seattle Mariners game. Not going to be taking a look at really either of the sides, but I do think that this is going to be a lower scoring game. I do think that both of these teams are going to have a tough time getting past three runs. I think first of four is going to be winning in this game. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under personally with the way that both of these starters have come out recently. And when you take a look at the betting board that we've got for Wednesday, Ben, is there anything else that you're really taking a look at? We've hit on some of the marquee games. A lot of the teams are in postseason contention, but is there anything that you want to take a look at, whether it be from a divisional slash wildcard standpoint or something that you're looking to fire in on? I think just for the daily slate itself, that's probably what I'm sticking with, just that Boston first five over Seattle at a small favorite price. I still think it's so interesting now having gone, like if you still have not played a future this whole season and here we are, whatever, three weeks from the end of the year, I still think there are some opportunities to fire on. And again, I think a lot of people think of in very binary terms of just, all right, I'm strictly betting on this team to actually win a pennant and I'm going to see that out the whole way or, or win a World Series. And that's just a bet I'm going to make. And I've always taken a much different philosophy to futures, Greg. I really think of these as hedgeable opportunities. And certainly a thing we have to combine having conviction in one part of it where you really do think the team is good and you think they've got a legitimate chance to make a push late. But it's also just identifying a spot where you're getting so much value that you can really extract a good amount of profit just from kind of playing both sides and setting yourself up. So I'm staying away from anything in the NL just because the way things have been priced, I still think the Brewers are a very solid team, but we've known about the strengths of that team for so long now, Greg, that I don't really see much value there anymore. And it's also hard to have a really good sense of the handicap when we still know that that wild card, at least the first wild card is so up in the air, the Giants and Dodgers divisional race. That'll really determine a lot of the, the playoff pass, but As far as the AL, that's the thing that has intrigued me. We all have our own power ratings and how we judge these teams. But I've just felt that the Yankees have been overvalued this whole stretch. And that only gained even more traction with some of their their deadline acquisitions and some of the immediately improved play out of that. I really haven't bought it just from a a long-term standpoint. So you're sitting there right now. I mean, you still like the Blue Jays. You could have certainly gotten better numbers before this latest stretch. But you can find them in the 12 to 14, 15 to 1 range to win the AL pennant. And that's a scenario where... I could pretty easily see Toronto at this point coming out of that wild card. It'll be Toronto Yankees, could be Toronto Red Sox, any of those combinations. I'm not really sold on the A's or Mariners actually getting in one of those places. But I do like the way, even for how young they are, the way they match up in those particular one-game playoffs, Greg. So if there was something I'd look to bet on where I, I still feel like there's value to be had, you could then use that to your advantage later, later on when you're betting these series. I think Toronto is actually the spot I'd be looking at, and I was 
wanting to fire on them earlier, did it just because it, it just seemed like, based on how Boston and New York were playing, it's going to be hard for them to erase that big deficit. But just like we've seen with the Reds and the Padres and that gap in the wild card race, this stuff can change in a hurry. And I think the Blue Jays have enough momentum and enough overall positive numbers just supporting them that they'll be, I think, a pretty strong play to make it at least at the divisional round. And from there, if you're betting them with the futures, the double digit range, you've got a lot of good options. And for the Blue Jays entering into last night, nine and one in their last 10 games with a plus 174 run differential, four runs better than the Tampa Bay Rays on the season. So they certainly have been able to put it together. Big bugaboo has been, they have been losing quite a few close games this year, but that seems to be evening out for them as well as they're just 14 and 15 in one run games entering into last night and three and eight in extra inning games. So if they're able to pull out those close ones, there certainly is going to be a lot of viability with the Toronto Blue Jays. And there's always viability when it comes to Ben Wilson because you do a terrific job over there at the Vegas Heads and Information Network. You do a wide variety of things. You're doing a great job now holding it down on the weekends with our good friend Jeff Parles on the Bet Center. So you've got a lot of things going on. You do a lot of great play-by-play work as well. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow along on social media and just everything that you've got going on in general. So, Greg, as always, appreciate you having me on. I'm at Ben underscore Wilson underscore number one. I have refused to change my Twitter handle since <laughs> I was in high school, which is when I created said Twitter account. So if anybody's wondering why the weird handle, there you go. But yes, Bet Center, uh, that is 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Time, Saturday nights, leading right into the Greg Peterson Experience, which is an outstanding show you, my friend, are hosting right after us. So it's a great way to really wrap up your college football Saturdays, get ready for your NFL Sunday. We, we kind of do a mixture of both of those things when it comes to in-game betting with the college football and then previewing the full Sunday slate for the NFL. So besides that, just doing a lot of play-by-play as, as well during the week right now. A lot of college sports going on as we're back into the full swing of things. So needless to say, I've been busy, but that's what you want to be this time of year. Yes, sir. Unfortunately, an off week for me on the Vegas Heads and Information Network. I'll still be coming at you on these podcasts, but I'm going to be in the great state of Minnesota this weekend. So we are getting fired up for that. Got a buddy out there that's going to be getting married. And then after that, I will be in the saddle for at minimum 20 straight weeks doing that show and ben he does a terrific job over there at beeson does a great job with all of his play-by-play work and always brings it on this podcast so big thanks to ben wilson for joining me right here on the baseball betting podcast and coming up next it is that time of the podcast i give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this wednesday and a little something like call touch them all Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always a pleasure to be joined by Ben Wilson. Does a terrific job over there with the Vegas Hats and Information Network. Also does some great play-by-play work, mostly with college sports out here on the West Coast. So, glad to be able to get him aboard today. A big thanks to him. Now it is that time of the podcast. They give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Wednesday. And a little something like call... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed, at GUnit underscore 81. Going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games are going to be at the bottom, unlike yesterday. Appears as though we are going to have no doubleheaders, so that'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. And we are going to be beginning with that first national game of 951-952. The Battle of Rodgers as the Miami Marlins hit the road to face off against the Washington Nationals. 
Josh Rogers goes for the Nats. Trevor Rogers goes for the Marlins. Marlins, slight favorites, anywhere between minus 111 and minus 119. Meanwhile, your plus price with the Washington Nationals is as high as a plus 109, seeing as bad as a minus 105, and 8.5 is your total. Under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105. And I've got a lot more faith here in Trevor, because with Trevor Rogers, though, he is coming off the injury list, actually did look relatively solid. In his first start against the Philadelphia Phillies, giving up two runs in four and a third innings. Got a little bit touched up in his last start against the Atlanta Braves, but you take a look at what he's been able to do on the road so far this year, and it's been relatively solid. A 2.62 road ERA compared to a 2.88 home ERA. A little bit surprising considering he does play out there in Miami. He's given up four home runs in 68 and two-thirds innings on the road, and two at home in 50 innings, so he has been darn near unhittable. The walks per nine sometimes gets up there a little bit. He's been giving up right around 3.4-ish walks per nine innings. Then you take a look Josh Rogers and in a very small sample size he's actually been relatively solid as he's made two starts so far this year 12 and two-thirds innings has given up two home runs but just five runs in total now Prior to this, while he was with the Baltimore Orioles, he was just getting shelled in. A few starts during the 2018 and 19 seasons had an ERA north of 8, so I do feel like this might have been a little bit of a flash in the pan, but with the Miami Marlins as well, this is a team that they've been without Jesus Aguiar for a little bit. He's got right around 90 RBI, only guy on the team with north of 15 home runs. Jazz Shislam is now the only person with a double-digit amount of homers in this lineup. He's hitting about a 250. Now, I will say for Brian De La Cruz, he is hitting right around 345, and then you've got Miguel Ross hitting at 270. Got a pair of guys in AC Sanchez, Lewis Brinson, in between a 235 and a 240, but then you've got some slugs on this team. You've got Luan Diaz, Izan Diaz, Austin Jackson, Eddie Alvarez. All hitting below a 200, and then Kiber Ruiz is someone that I know that our good friend William Boru joins us from time to time from MLP Pipeline. He wants to see how he winds up faring because he was one of the big cornerstone pieces of that Max Scherzer deal. Sit below the Mendoza line here at the major league level, but at the minors was really tearing it up. And then for the Nationals as well, Juan Soto, Josh Bell, both of these guys between 25 and 26 home runs. And for Soto, a 450 on base. He has been insane. Lane Thomas, ever since coming over from the St. Louis Cardinals, part of that John Lester deal, he's been hitting right around a 300 plus for this team. LCDs Escobar is getting on base for you, hitting at 270. So, got a little bit of something there, but with the Miami Marlins, also have a lot of faith with this bullpen as well. You've been able to get some good innings out of Richard Blyer. Anthony Bender has a 265 ERA. Dylan Flora has been able to do a good job along Stephen O'Kurt. And then you take a look at the Washington Nationals and Kyle Finnegan certainly has been able to do the job for this team. Even a guy like an Andres Machado has been halfway decent, but then you've got guys like Wander Icewear. This guy sucks. Awesome both. Both of these guys north of a 5-6 ERA, so makes it a little bit tough here. Josh Rogers has been solid in his first couple starts, but I feel like that might be a case of a small sample size, so I'm going to be setting the Marlins more around a minus 140 favorite, so I'm going to be taking a shot there. I do think that both of these offenses are going to be held down, especially with Asus Aguiar dealing with injury for the Miami Marlins, so going to be taking the under along with the fish. 953-954 on the bang board. The Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati. And they're in the road phase off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mitch Keller is going to be going for the Buckos. Meanwhile, Vladimir Gutierrez is going to be on the bump for the Red Legs. Reds are finding themselves anywhere between minus 145 and minus 156 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Buckos, it is anywhere between plus 134 and plus 145 with your total at 9. The under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105. And for Mitch Keller, he has been able to rein it in a little bit more when it comes 
comes to his accuracy, but certainly has been still a rocky year from a 6.29 ERA. His walks per nine innings rate is still right around about a 4.2. Has been significantly better ever since the All-Star break, but still, he's got an 8.19 ERA whenever he's been at home. A 2-8 record and 12 home starts. Only giving up five home runs in 48 and a third innings, but problem is he's given up right in the neighborhood about five and a half walks per nine innings, and opponents are hitting a 351 off of him. He's going up against the Cincinnati Reds team that they could not get it going early yesterday, but this is a bunch in which they are able to put up runs in bunches now. They are dealing with some injuries, which is why you're seeing guys like Adi Cide, Sakino, and Delano DeShields get starts, but Jonathan India along with Tucker Barnard, these guys are in between about a 265 to 275 for India at the leadoff spot. 20 home runs, 380 on base to Cassianos Joey Vato. Both have between a 360 and a 370 on base. Both of these guys giving you 28 plus home runs so far this year. So without Jesse Winker and Taylor Naquin has been a little bit banged up and for Naquin hitting right around 325 ever since the beginning of the month of August. But then you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates and you've got one guy on this roster with a double digit amount of homers because Gregory Belonco has missed some time. That'd be Brian Reynolds. Hitting about a 300. He's been able to give the team 23 home runs. Have been able to get a little bit of something out of Ben Gamble along with Cabrian Ace. These guys are in between about a 252 and 260. And then you've got Wilmer Defoe hitting a 275 along with Colin Moran. I will give it up for Yoshi Satsugo. Ever since coming over to Pittsburgh, he's been able to do a solid job in 24 games going into yesterday. Seven home runs hitting more like a 280, so he's been able to find a little bit of something. And for the Pirates, you do have a couple guys that have been able to do a solid job of coming out of the bullpen. David Bernard has been very solid, but it looks like he wound up going on the injured list. You've got Jason Shreve, Chris Trent, and really after that, that's about it because they did wind up picking up Anyal de Los Santos off the scrap beat. He has not been good to say the least. Then you've got with the Reds, a little bit of a shaky bullpen, but you do have a little bit of confidence here in guys like Michael Givens, Luis Sessa have been able to do a solid job. Lucas Sims has been shaky this year, but I think think that he's going to be able to give you a little bit of something in long relief if needed. And then you take a look at Mr. Gutierrez, and he has been relatively solid so far this year. You take a look at what he's been able to do on the road. 343 road ERA compared to a 491 ERA at home. He And the road, he's been able to give you a 6-2 and two record as well. Giving up 7 home runs in 60 and a third innings. And opponents are a 222 off of him. I think that he's going to continue to roll. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Cincinnati Reds in this one, because I wound up saying them personally, more around a minus 155 favorite myself. You're you're finding that right around even money. I'm currently seeing a minus 145 on the money line rather than get a very small plus price. I think I would rather just lay that minus 145 in this spot. So we're going to be going with the Reds in that aspect. Did wind up saying this all at 8.6 as well just because the Pirates offense has been a little bit unsightly in the Reds. A little bit banged up as well. So going under along with the Red Legs on the money line. 955-956 on the banking board. The Chicago Cubs hit the road to face off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Ranger Suarez is going to be going for the Phillies. Meanwhile, Alec Mills is going to be on the bump for the Cubs. Cubs are finding themselves as underdogs. And we're between plus 160 and plus 175. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Phillies. It is anywhere between minus 180 and minus 190 with your total at 9. With the 9 unders anywhere between minus 110 minus 115. Overs between minus 105 and minus 110. We were talking about this with John Jansen on the podcast a few days ago. Works over there with Fox Sports Philadelphia the Gambler and the fact that Ranger Suarez has been absolutely amazing for this team. He has given up more than two runs in just two out of his 35 appearances this year. Now, only eight of these has been starts. A lot of these have been long relief appearances, but across 78 innings, he has given up three home runs. His walks per nine innings, that's a little bit high at right around a 3.3, but he does a really good job of being able to hold it down, does a nice job of being able to hold runners on, and two walks or fewer in each out of his last four starts. So he certainly has been able to rein it in there. Then you've got a guy in Alec Mills that has actually been relatively solid at home, but on the road for Mills, it has been a little bit 
of a course of peace situation when it comes to giving up walks. As his walks per nine rate, whenever he hits the road, that is more around a three and a half. Has actually only given up four home runs in 15 and third innings, and his road ERA is a 429. He's been able to rein it in a little bit more, but still, opponents are getting a 277 off of him on the road as well. Then you take a look at this Cubs bullpen, and you've got Ryan DePera, Craig Kimbrell. Oh, wait, all those guys are gone. So instead, now you've got Manuel Rodriguez, Michael Rucker, Adam Morgan, and well, that's not necessarily too great. And then you take a look at the lineup of the Cubs, and you do have a guy in Frank Schwindel who I actually really do like. You take a look at him over the last 28 days going into yesterday. He had had eight home runs in that time span, hitting about a 360. He has been in fuego, so you give him some credit. Rafael Ortega, he's hitting a 280 for this bunch. Then you've got a lot of guys hitting a 225 or lower. Wilson Contreras, Ian App. Both of the Romites, David Bodie, Sergio Alcantara, you're able to throw in there Jason Award as well. So these guys have been a little bit rough, but I will say this for Ian App. He has really been able to pick it up ever since the beginning of the month of August. In this time span, he's hitting right around a 300, has been able to supply 12 home runs. So give him some credit there, but you've also got Patrick Wisdom. Batting average is dipping, but still giving you a home run about every 11 or so at bats. Then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies and Bryce Harper, ever since the beginning of the month of August, this man has been on absolute fire. He's got 16 home runs ever since the beginning of the month of August. Yeah, that's pretty darn good. Hitting about a 325 in that time span as well. Andrew McCutcheon along with Brad Miller, D.D. Gregorius. These guys are in between about a 215 to a 230, but I will say this for McCutcheon. 335 on base. He's been able to do a good job with 24 home runs. Oduba Rares hitting about a 260 for the team. Ronald Torres needs to pick it up with Gene Segura hitting a 300. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, they did unload Aniel De Los Santos to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, that actually helps out this bullpen a little bit. J.D. Amherst been able to give you a little bit of something. I will say, you You've had some shakiness ever since Ian Kennedy has come over from the Texas Rangers. While he was with the Rangers, he was relatively lights out with the Phillies going into yesterday. A north of 6 ERA and Bailey Falter. He certainly has been faltering, but I did take a look at this spot, and it's hard to have a lot of faith here in the Chicago Cubs, especially with the way that Suarez has been rolling. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Philadelphia Phillies, finding that anywhere between even money and plus 108, I was willing to lay more like a minus 110 to a minus 115 in the spot, so I'm going to be taking that run line. And with the way that Herper and company have been able to come on for the Philadelphia Phillies, set this all at 9.2. So going over along with the Phillies run line, 957, 958 on the bank board. The New York Mets are going to be playing against the St. Louis Cardinals. John Lester is going to be going for the cards. Meanwhile, Tyler McGill is going to be on the bump for the Mets. The Mets are finding themselves between minus 140 and minus 145 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the cards, it's anywhere between plus 125 and plus 132, with 8 being your total, with the 8. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 115. For Lester, it has been very much a bumpy ride for him this year, but I was mentioning it with our good buddy Ben Wilson. He has been able to really rein it in recently, giving up two runs or fewer in four out of his last five starts. You take a look at what he's been able to do overall with St. Louis, and hasn't been half bad. In eight starts, he's got a 430 ERA. Certainly, you would like a little bit better than a 1.1 strikeout to walk rate. It's not necessarily because he's walking too many guys. Still, I mean, like a 3.8 walks per nine rate isn't great, but at the same time, it's just because he's not getting any swings and misses in this advanced age. Overall for the year, give it up about 1.6 home runs per nine innings, and that's still better than Tether Miguel has given up more like 1.7-ish home runs per nine innings. He's been able to do a good job of being able to limit the walks. Right around 2.3 walks per nine innings, and for Miguel, he's been able to rein it in a little bit more recently. Two runs of fear, give it up in three out of his last five starts. Wound up getting off to a hot start to the season. Wound up cooling down a little bit. Now it seems like he's picking up steam a little bit, and you take a look at Miguel. At home, he's been a tad bit better on the road. All three of his one decisions have come at home. He has given up, though, nine home runs. 
once over the course of 45 innings at home as well, despite the fact that opponents are getting a 224 off of them at home compared to more around about a 276 on the road. And then you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals and Paul Goldschmidt. Ever since the beginning of the month of August, a double-digit amount of homers in that time span, really ever since the beginning of the month of July even, hitting about a 320. Got a lot of guys on the scene that are in between, I would say, about a 252 even up to about a 263. Tommy Edmund, Harrison Bader, Yadier Molina, Alvon Nolan Arenado, and Dylan Carlson. And for Nolan Arenado, 31 home runs at 97 RBI. Going into yesterday, Tyler O'Neill. He supplied the boom with 25 bombs. A lot of solo shots from him, but hitting right around 275 along with Umando Sosa and them for the Mets. You've got two matchers for this team. Javi Baez, Pete Alonso. With both of these guys, have given you north of 30 home runs, but you need Francisco Lindor, Michael Conforto, and Kevin Pillar to be able to get online. These guys along Tom Macedo, along between about a 220 to a 235, though I will say for Lindor, obviously he wound up having that three home run game a couple days ago against the New York Yankees. He has been performing better recently, and speaking of performing better recently, Jonathan VR going into yesterday, in the team's last 30 days, he had hit for right around a 315 in that time span, has only been able to deliver right around four home runs, but has been able to do a good job coming up big in some clutch spots. And for the Mets, the bullpen has been relatively solid. I do give some credit to guys like Miguel Castro, Seth Lugo, these guys have been solid. You've got Edwin Diaz, who can sometimes be a little bit off the rails in the ninth inning, but by and large has done a solid job in Aaron Loop, a sub-1-5 ERA. And then you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals, and you've had a lot of ups and downs when it comes to some of the more reliable bullpen arms. Genesis Cabrera, Alex Reyes, both have ERAs north of a 5-5 over the last 30 days, so that has been tough, but Luis Garcia now has an ERA that's hovering right around 2-2. TJ McFarlane has been able to give you some very good innings. Giovanni Gallegos has been able to do a good job, and even Cody Whitley right around 365 ERA, so we got a couple reliable guys there in this spot. I do think that the Cardinals should be a slight underdog, but I do like the way that Lester has been able to come out recently. I was willing to take the Cardinals at anything above a plus 125. Seeing the plus 132, I'm going to take a shot here on them. Also did wind up saying this all at an 8.2, so going over along the cards. 959-960 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies hit the road to face off against the Atlanta Braves. Who's Scotty and Noah is going to be going for the Bravos. Meanwhile, you've got Antonio Sanzatella going for the Rockies. 8.5 to 9 is your total on the 8.5. Over is minus 120 and the under is even. On the 9, under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105 with the Bravos. Anywhere between minus 195 and minus $2 is your price. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Colorado, it is anywhere between plus 170 and plus 180. And for Antonio Sanzatella, he certainly has been able to do a good job of being able to lock in recently. As I was mentioning with Ben, the Colorado Rockies got off to just an unsightly bad start to the year on the road. 6-33 and in their first 39 games going into yesterday. 15-17 and 17 in their last 32 games. I recognize that it's far from, like, anything to throw a parade for or anything, but still, it's a whole lot better. And for Antonio Sensatella, he's given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last five starts. Three of these wound up being on the road as well, and the team is 4-1 and one in his last five starts. So, you do have a little bit of something going here when it comes to Antonio Sensatella and for Sensatella in general. Not a guy that's going to give you a lot of swings and misses, but at the same time, he's done a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Overall, 11 home runs given up in 138 innings. Has been relatively consistent. Home to road of not giving up the deep ball as well. Sub one home run per nine innings in both environments. So you do like to see that. And he doesn't put people on cheaply. His walks per nine innings rate that is hovering right around two. And then you got Mr. Yanoa. And you know what? Ever since coming off the injury list, it's been a little bit up and down for him. He wound up having a good start against the Miami Marlins at ever since then. Two plus runs given up in each 
out of his last four starts, he's given up two, two, four, and three. So has been great, hasn't been terrible. He's been able to do a solid job of be able to keep the walks down so far this year, right around 2.3 walks per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate, that over is right around a 10 ish. And at home, he's been significantly better than on the road. 418 road ERA, 245 home ERA, giving up five home runs in both environments with a relatively consistent amount of innings, but opponents are just a buck 61 off of him whenever he's in Atlanta. And for the Colorado Rockies, this team has been towards the bottom of the league when it comes to batting average at home, but CJ Crone in the last two road trips for this Colorado Rockies team does have seven home runs, so he's been able to kick it up. Trevor Story wound up hitting a home run yesterday. That's big because for much of the year, he was hitting right around the Mendoza line of 200 whenever he's been on the road, more like a 300 at home, so... These Jurassic home and road splits seem to be stabilizing a little bit. Then you take a look at the Atlanta Braves, and you've got a whole bunch of guys with at least 23 home runs in this lineup. Ozzy Albies, Freddie Freeman, Austin Riley, Ode Soler, Adam Duvall. You're able to throw in there Dansby Swanson. I mean, the list goes on and on, and pretty much when it comes to the starters for this team, you do have a couple guys like an Adam Duvall and Travis Arano and whoever's playing catcher hitting below a 250. And other than Ore Soler, that's about it. But you take a look at Ore Soler, and he has been able to supply 16 home runs ever since the beginning of the month of July. So he has come on strong over the last three days, hitting closer to about a 300. So that's been big for this team. Ozzy Albies along to Anthony Swanson, both hitting between about a 252 and 260. And then with Freeman and Riley, both of these guys north of a 370 on base, both hitting nearly a 300. For the Atlanta Braves, bullpen has been a little bit shaky so far this year, but it seems to be stabilizing. Richard Rodriguez has been very solid ever since being picked up at the trade deadline. Luke Jackson has been able to give you some good innings along Jesse Chavez. And for Tyler Madzik, ever since the beginning of the month of July, this guy has been darn near unhittable. Now, here in September, he has had his falters, but with that said, ever since the beginning of the month of July, right around a 2-5-ish ERA, and then you've got a Colorado Rocky team in which Daniel Bard on the road has a nearly 10 ERA. Yancey Almonte has not necessarily been great, but Ulysses Chassin has actually been able to give you a couple of decent innings. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Robert Stevenson as well, and while I do think that the Colorado Rockies should be a pretty sizable underdog, I do like the way that they've been playing recently. I was willing to take a shot as long as I was getting a plus 175 or greater. Seeing the plus 180, I am going to be taking a shot here with the Colorado Rockies. Also did wind up saying the total at a 9.3, as I do think that Yanoa is going to have things dry up from a little bit more at home. So, we're going to be taking the over, and I'm going to be taking a shot here on the Colorado Rockies, 961-962. On the betting board, you've got the San Diego Padres, and they are going to be in the road face-off against the San Francisco Giants. You've got a game that's off the board because the Giants have yet to determine their starter. Likely going to be a little bit of a bullpen game. They've been dealing with Alex Wood and Johnny Cueto being on COVID and being injured, so you've got that mystery there. Meanwhile, Joe Musgrove is going to be going for the Padres. When it comes to this game, if it does wind up being a Giants bullpen game, I'm going to be setting them as a favorite again. With the San Diego Padres going into yesterday, this team has scored the fewest runs per game of any team in the National League ever since the beginning of the month of August. It has been unsightly bad for them. Adam Frazier ever since being picked up, hitting right around 235 for this bunch. Now, you do have Fernando Tatis Jr., he, Manny Machado, Eric Osmer, only between about a 272 to more like a 285. And for Tatis Jr., 38 home runs. But the only other guy in the starting lineup yesterday with more than 17 home runs, that would be Manny Machado. Jake Cronenworth being on the injured list and being banged up as hurt this team. You do have Will Myers along with Austin Supernola hitting about a 255 for this bunch of tricks. And Profar is able to get on base, but for Profar, three home runs and over 300 at bats has not gotten the job done. Meanwhile, you take a look at the San Francisco Giants, and you've got a whole bunch of guys lumbering balls up. Buster Posey, Lamonte Wade, Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, Chris Bryant, Mikey Stremski. All at least 17 home runs. Only guy in this pairing 
with below a 255 batting average. That'd be Mikey Ostromsky. And then you've got guys like a Darren Ruff, who's been able to give you 15 home runs, nearly a 400 on base. Tommy Vassell has come off the injured list. He's been able to give you a little bit of something. Evan Longoria has been able to do a good job as well. And for the San Francisco Giants, this bullpen has been lights out. They are towards the top of the lake when it comes to pretty much all aspects of bullpen runs per nine, walks per nine, ERA. They have been absolutely masterful. Zach Liddell, Dominique Leon, these guys have been great. Jolin Garcia has been able to give you some good innings when you've needed Camilio Duvall. He's been able to do a good job. Tyler Rogers has been relatively consistent. And for the Padres, going into the month of August, their bullpen was number one with the cards of ERA, but they had to trot out their Jake Arrieta yesterday. That never means anything good. Emilio Pagan, you can tell that he's been just getting worn down. Craig Salmon is getting thrown out there so many different times. And Nelson Lamette is now coming out of the bullpen. And for Joe Musgrove, it's a little bit unfair that he doesn't have a better record because he's actually been able to do a relatively solid job all season long. When it comes to Musgrove, he might actually be the most consistent guy that the team has had all year long. He deserves a little bit better than a 9-9 record, 2.93 ERA on the road. He does have a 3.46 ERA and has given up 10 home runs over the course of 78 innings, but bonus earning just a 2.02 off of him. His strikeouts per 9 rate is right around 9, but if this winds up being the Giants bullpen against Joe Musgrove, going to be probably sending the Giants more around about a minus 135 to a minus 140 favorite, and this would be a spot in which an 8 or lower, I'd be taking a look at the over 8.5 or higher, would be taking a look at the under, but obviously if we wind up getting like Alex Wood or something like that, subject to a little bit of change. So check back in the morning my Twitter feed at GRNSquarty1 in case we see something pop up. 963, 964 on the betting board. The Arizona Diamondbacks hit the road to face off against the LA Dodgers. Julio Arias is going to be going for the Dodgers. Meanwhile, Right now on ESPN, it says Madison Bumgarner is going to be going for the Diamondbacks. The betting board has to be determined, so we currently have no lines up on this one. If it does wind up being Mr. ODS versus Madison Bumgarner, I'm going to be saying the Diamondbacks more around about a plus 226-ish underdog. And on the run line of the Dodgers, will be willing to lay up to about a minus 130-ish. And this is a spot in which, if it would be Bumgarner versus Urias, ANF or Laura, I'd be taking a look at the over 9 or higher. I'd be taking a look at the under. For Madison Bumgarner, he wound up getting off to a very good start. After the all-star break, he wound up giving up three runs or fewer in each out of his first six starts. You take a look at it recently, and he's given up at least four runs in each out of his last four starts in this time span. He has given up seven home runs, and he's given up three-plus walks in three out of his last four starts as well. So things are certainly coming to a head. But you do know this as well with Madison Bumgarner spending so much time with the San Francisco Giants. He would love nothing more than to play spoiler for the Dodgers. And then you got Mr. Arias who leads the league with 17 wins. He's actually been much better on the road than he has been at home. 12 out of his 17 wins have come on the road. At home he's still been solid. 341 ERA. Has given up 9 home runs in 71 and in third innings. The opponents are getting a 234 off of him. But not quite the same dominance that he's had away from Los Angeles. But what is very dominant for Los Angeles is all the bats that you've got with this team. As you got Mookie Betts, Trey Turner down for what? Max Muncy, Justin Turner down for what? Will Smith. At least 20 home runs from all these guys. Chris Taylor, he's been able to do a very solid job whenever he's been out there. And all the guys I mentioned, hitting at least a 250. In the starting lineup yesterday, you had two guys hitting below a 250 for this punch. Gavin Lux, one of the more highly touted prospects in recent years. And then you've got Cody Bellinger. He's Cody Bellinger. So yeah, and then you've got the Arizona Diamondbacks with nobody on the roster with more than 11 home runs. Joshua Ross, Quetel Marte, you've even got Dalton Barshow and Paven Smith. 
Carson Kelly as well, hitting between 10 and 11 homers. And for the Marte Parte, Guidel Marte, hitting a 320. Got a couple guys like David Peralta, Josh Ross, and Paven Smith, hitting between a 260 and a 270. But got a lot of dead bats out there. Josh Van Meter has been able to do nothing for you. Jake McCarthy is someone that I'm not necessarily bullish on. Dalton Varsho has actually picked things up a little bit. But then you take a look at this Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen, and it is rough. Tyler Clippert is right now their most reliable closer, in my opinion. Noe Ramirez, Sean Pop, and these guys have been terrible. Brandon Sittinger, he's been able to give you a little bit of something, but he wound up getting lit up on Monday. And then for the Dodgers, they've been in the top five with yards of bullpen ERA all season long, and they've gotten it from unlikely guys. Phil Bickford, along with Alex Vesia, have been very good for this team. Pursuit of Gradrall wound up having a very rough start to the year, but over the last 30 days going into yesterday, more like a 3-4 ERA, he has been able to stabilize things for this team as well, so I do like what I'm getting there, so in this spot if it is Bumgarner versus Urias, I'd be willing to lay up to about a minus 130 on the run line of the Dodgers, and then an 8.5 for Laura would be taking a look at the over 9 or higher, would be taking a look at the under. 965-966 on the bang board. The Tampa Bay Rays at the road to face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Robbie Ray is going to be going for the Jays. Meanwhile, Michael Waka, and we use our dying Pac-Man voice for him. Waka, 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 waka. Going to be going for the Rays. Your total on this game is 9, as I get a bunch of from you guys with the nine overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125 on the juice unders anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105 if you're looking at the jays anywhere between minus 165 and minus 171 is that money line price meanwhile if you're taking a look at the rays going to be getting them between plus 150 and plus 157 for waka it certainly has been the dying bag band voice from a lot this year but he's coming off a really nice start against the detroit tigers and he's backed up by a tampa bay rays bullpen that has been a very solid all year long jp fire eyes and along with Pete Fairbanks are now off the injured list, so that's going to be able to help them out. And looks like Nick Anderson is going to be able to give this team a little bit of something as well, which is big because with Waka, he's got a north of 5 ERA, but I will say this for Waka. He has given up a combined four earned runs in his last three starts and has been able to rein it in there. Now, he has given up quite a bit of hard contact. He has given up six home runs over the course of his last five starts, but a combined two walks in his last four starts as well. I still remember a few years ago with the St. Louis Cardinals, he had massive walks problems. Speaking of massive walks problems, Robbie Ray wound up having a lot of those as well, but he has certainly been able to rein it in so far this year. More on two and a half walks per nine innings. And the last time Robbie Ray wound up giving up more than three runs in a start, you have to go all the way back to May 27th. This guy has been absolutely masterful. Now, his last start against the Baltimore Orioles, not necessarily the world's greatest, but at the same time, he has been able to go now 18 straight starts, giving up three runs or fear. He has given up a combined four home runs over his last eight starts, so he's been able to do a great job there prior to that. He had been giving up more like 1.5 home runs per nine innings and Ray at home, whether that be out there in Toronto, Dunedin, what have you. 235 home ERA has given up 12 home runs over the course of 95 and two-thirds innings, but his strikeouts per nine rate is solid, and opponents are below 200 off of him. And for the Blue Jays, the bullpen seems to be doing a little bit of a better job. Adam Simber was having a little bit of a tough time with it towards the end of August. Seems to be picking it up. You've got Julia Merriweather coming off the injury list. They DFA'd Brian Hand, so they've actually been a little bit better for that. And then you take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays lineup, and no question, you've got a lot of guys who are able to match in this lineup as Viagro Jr. Now leads the MLB in home runs with 45 going into yesterday, hitting above a 300. You've got Marcus Simeon. He has been able to supply the boom, hitting a 270, 39 home runs going into yesterday. George Springer has been a little bit cold the last week or so, but by and large, ever since the All-Star break has been able to provide a lot of something for this team. And then you've got Teoscar Hernandez hitting above a 300. 27 home runs for the Seam Bobachette, hitting more like a 290 north of 30 home runs for him. Lourdes Gurriel, over the last 30 days, has been one of the best players in all of baseball. He's got, over the last 30 days, 
28 RBI. He's hitting right around a 376 and in the last 15 days going into yesterday, hitting above a 400. So he has been white out for this team as well. But then you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays and you've got a quadrant of guys with at least 24 home runs. Austin Meadows, Mike Zanino, Brandon Lau, and Nelson Cruz. And with Cruz, you're able to throw in there Randy Odozarena as well, Joey Wendell, all in between a 272 and 275. All these guys doing a very good job of being able to get on base. And for Brandon Lau, though, he's only hitting about a 235, more like a 345 on base. That's just what the Tampa Bay Rays team winds up doing. So in this spot, I certainly do think that the Blue Jays should be a pretty good size favorite. If you're taking a look at them on the run line, you're going to be getting them between a plus 105 to a plus 110, which I find to be a little bit fascinating because typically with the home team, you're going to find a little bit more of a favorable run line. But at the same time, I would be liking the Tampa Bay Rays if I'd be getting a little bit more like a plus 160 to a plus 165. So this is a spot in which I was willing to lay up to about a minus 168 on the money line. I typically don't take something that's shocky, but I'm going to be laying right around a minus 164 to a 165 on the Toronto Blue Jays because I do think that there's a good chance that this winds up landing on one run and with the total set it at 8.6. So going to be going under along with a relatively sizable Blue Jays money line. 967, 968 on the betting board. The Seattle Mariners are going to be playing us to the Boston Red Sox. Tanner Houck is going to be going for the Sox. Meanwhile, Marco Gonzalez is going to be on the bump for the Seattle Mariners in my New York Post play today. Total is a nap over and under both at minus 110 with the Sox anywhere between minus 120 and minus 130 is your price. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the M's, you're going to be getting them between plus 110 and plus 115. New York Post play today here is going to be the under. You take a look at the Seattle Mariners and this bunch has been very good out of the bullpen. Casey Sadler has right around a one-ish ERA so far this year. You've got your second rider, Eric Swanson, has been able to give you some very good innings as well. I recognize that Paul Sewell has been a little bit more shaky recently, but this bunch has been very good. And then you take a look at Marco Gonzalez and what he's been able to do so far this year over his last 10 starts. He's got a 234 ERA and he's got 1.9 walks per nine innings, allowing three runs or fewer and 10 out of his last 11 starts. Then you take a look at Tanner Alk, and he's, for his career, got an opponent's batting average of a buck seventy-six and a two ninety-three ERA. He's allowed three earned runs or fewer in 14 out of his 15 career pitching appearances, so... That is just absolutely amazing what he's been able to do. He's got no on 4 record, but it's not indicative of the way that he's been able to hold it down, giving up less than a home run per nine innings throughout his career as well. And for the Boston Red Sox, you are noticing that a lot of the guys that were out due to COVID-19 starting to return to the fold for this team. As you've got Eric Kazusada who was out, he is now back at the fold for this team. Matt Barnes, a little bit more of a question mark. I'm handicapping it as if he is not going to be back in the fold for this team, but he should be returning soon. Darwinson Hernandez is able to give you a little bit of something, and so it'll after he was very bad coming over from the LA Angels. Has been able to rein it in a little bit more recently as ERA is down to a 540, which it was like a 7 right around this time last week. So, and shows you that he's been a little bit better. And for the Boston Red Sox, no question, this is a lineup that is very solid. You've got a lot of guys that are hitting north of a 280 for this bunch. Xander Bogarts has certainly been able to do the job along J.D. Martinez. Both of these guys, north of 20 home runs along with those good batting averages. Rafael Devers hitting a 275, 34 home runs so far this year. Kike Hernandez has been able to hit about a 250. And then you've got Jose Iglesias, Hunter Renfro, Christian Vasquez, along with Kyle Schwarber, all in between a 262 and 270. And for Schwarber, along with Renfro, 27 plus home runs for both of these guys. But then take a look at the Seattle Mariners, and this is a bunch in which their home batting average is right around a 207. No other team in the big leagues hitting a 225 or lower. You do have a pair of guys with north of 33 home runs in Mitch Anniger, along with Kyle Seeger. And for J.P. Crawford, hitting right around 270. Abraham Toro, ever since coming into the fold, is hitting at 300. Ty Francis is hitting at 290. But with Seeger, able to throw in their Jared Kelnick. 
Cal Raleigh, Ode Mamaloe, Jake Fraley, Jake Bowers, list goes on and on of guys. They're in a 220 or lower for this bunch. I do think that Hauk is going to be able to give a good start. I think that Gonzalez is going to be able to give a good start. So the New York Post play of the day is the under. And when it comes to this spot, I do feel like you have to give some credence to the Seattle Mariners and all that they've been able to do. I like Marco Gonzalez in this spot a little bit more than the young gun in Tanner Hauk. So wound up making the Mariners a little bit of a slight favorite. So New York Post play of the day is the under. And I'm also going to be riding with a plus price of the Mariners. 969-970 on the betting board. The New York Yankees are going to be in the road to face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Mr. Cortez is going to be going for the Yankees. Meanwhile, John Means, the Orioles are going to be hoping that he means business for them. And with the Orioles, finding them at plus 120 at DraftKings, only place that currently has a number on this game. Meanwhile, the Yankees, minus 140. 8.5 is your total. The over is minus 120. And the under is even. And for the Baltimore Orioles, it's been a no good, very bad, terrible year. And they got pounded once again yesterday. And for Nestor Cortez, he's actually turned out to be a very good starter for the New York Yankees thus far. 270 ERA. Now, I will say, he's been much better at home than he has been on the road. 350 road ERA, buck 93 at home. But still, has been able to hold down the fort overall this year. He's given up right around 1.2-ish home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate hovering right around 2.4 to a 2.5 and overall opponents are about a 2.15 off of him. So he's been solid across the board. Meanwhile, you take a look at John Means and for the year, he's been relatively good with a 3.42 ERA, but ever since coming off the injured list, his ERA is more around a 5. He just has been giving up a lot of hard contact in general. This is a man whose home runs per 9 rate is hovering right around 2 overall for the season, so that's been a little bit of an issue. Now you take a look at him at home, and he's actually been significantly worse than on the road. 4.70 home ERA, 2.48 road ERA, giving up 13 home runs at 53 and 2 thirds innings at home, and opponents are getting 2.48 off of him at home, sub 200 on the road, and then with the Yankees, they pummeled the Orioles yesterday and uh, it's hard to think that they're going to do anything else in this spot as you've got Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Santana, along Joey Gallo, all these guys, at least 28 home runs so far this season. You've got a guy in DJ LeMayu who's hitting a 270 along with Mr. San. You've got Gio Urshela along with Flavor Torres and Luke Voigt, only between about a 252 and 260. Now, you've got Kyle Gashioka, Gary Sanchez, Rudnett Odor, guys like this, they're in a 220 or lower. Then you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles and you might be able to get quite a bit of something out of Austin, the Saints, Kedre, Boomo, Mancini, and Ryan Mountcastle, only between about a 250 to a 265 for Mancini. 21 home runs, and then you got Mountcastle along Cedric Mullins, and Mullins is sitting right around 300, by the way. Both of these guys at least 27 home runs for this bunch, so that has been rock solid. Ramon Urias is sitting about a 275, but then Domingo Leyba, Pat Vileka, Kelvin Gutierrez, Awesome Wins, DJ Stewart, and a host of others are hitting a 210 or lower for this bunch, so that's not necessarily too great. You know what is not too great? The Baltimore Orioles bullpen. Cole Solzer has been able to give you a little bit of something. Tanner Scott has some control issues, but he's got some good stuff, and even a guy like an Alexander Wells who wound up being a starter for this team. When he was coming out of the bullpen, he was able to give you a tad bit of something, but I mean, my goodness, this is a bullpen that is just bad. Fernando Abad has been very bad as he's got a north of six ERA. Connor Green is someone that you're right now sticking a lot of your chips in the middle with. Tyler Wells has actually been relatively okay, but man, it's a rough bunch. And then for the New York Yankees, you do have Jonathan Luizga, who's currently dealing with an injury, so that's a little bit of something, but Lucas Lutke has been able to give you some nice settings. Wandy Peralta, Jolie Rodriguez, they've been able to round in a form a little bit. Aroldis Chapman, 
got my issues with him. He's got a north of 6 ERA really ever since the middle of June, but I did take a look at this spot. I think that the Yankees should be able to dominate this game. I was willing to set them as more around a minus 180 favorite on the money line. On the run line, I'm willing to lay up to about a minus 120-ish with them. And when it comes to this total, I'm going to be setting it at a 9.2. So with the DraftKings line, I'd be looking at the Yankees either money line or run line, and I'd be taking a look at this total over. Obviously, we're going to be waiting for more lines to populate in the morning, but that's where we're looking there. 971-972 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins are going to be playing against the Cleveland Indians. Cal Quantrill is going to be going for the Windians. Meanwhile, Griffin Jacks hopes to not get Jacks up for the Twins. The Twins find themselves as favorites anywhere between minus 109 and minus 115. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Indians, anywhere between minus 105 and plus 102 with your total at 9. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even minus 110. Out of all the pitchers that I've been seeing recently, it just feels like Cal Quantrill is the most incorrectly priced because with Quantrill, I do recognize that the Cleveland Indians have been poor in his appearances overall for the year. They're winning only about one-third of the total appearances that he's been making, but he's been able to do a very good job for this team recently. They're only 3-3 in his last six starts, but you take a look at it, this guy has given up more than three runs once since the beginning of the month of July. He has been absolutely ridiculous, giving up three runs or fewer in now 12 out of his last 13 starts ever since the All-Star break. He's got an ERA that is hovering right around about a 2-2. He has been able to do an absolutely amazing job for this team. You take a look at what he's been able to do on the road. It's been a little bit less than at home. 424 road ERA compared to a 227 at home. Has been able to limit the deep ball, though, giving up right around one home run per nine innings. Six home runs given up over the course of 51, so he's been able to do a great job there, and a lot of his longer relief appearances wound up coming on the road, and he just was not the same out of the bullpen as he was as a starter. Meanwhile, you take a look at Griffin Jackson. Who is this guy to be a favorite? He's had a 6.72 ERA. I recognize that the record is 3-3, three and three, but he's given up at least four runs in each out of his last five starts, and he's been getting absolutely tattooed. He's given up seven home runs in his last four starts. I have absolutely no idea why he's a favorite here. Now, with the Minnesota Twins, they do have a relatively solid lineup. You do have a couple guys that are able to take you deep. Miguel Sano, don't you know? He's been able to give you north of 25 home runs so far this year. And Ore Palanco now has 30 home runs. For Palanco, he's hitting about a 275. For Josh Donaldson, right around a 350 on base. He's been able to go deep 22 times. Byron Buxton, though, ever since coming off the injured list, he's hitting right around the Mendoza line of a 200. You've got Mr. Sano, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, who's on base, I will say, about a 350 ever since the beginning of the month of August. But he, along Jake Cave, Max Kepler, Ryan Jeffers, Ben Rotefit, even Andrelton Simmons. All these guys are in at 230 or lower. Been able to get a little bit of something out of Williams, Estadio, he and Rob Revsander in between a 240 to a 250, but Revsander has regressed as well. Then you take a look at the Cleveland Indians and got a pair of guys in Jose Ramirez along with Framio Reyes. Do a good job of being able to go yard. Both of these guys sitting between about a 252 to a 260 and both of these guys, they combined 61 home runs going into game two of their double dip yesterday. Now, you've got a couple guys that they do need to pick it up. Bobby Bradley, Yu Chang, Owen Miller, Roberto Perez, you're able to even able to throw in there Andres Jimenez, all hitting a 225 or lower, but Miles Straw is hitting about a 265. Amit Rosario is hitting a 280 and right around 300 ever since the All-Star break, so you've got quite a few guys doing a solid job there, and the Indians in general just have a better bullpen. Emmanuel Classe did wind up getting called upon yesterday, but Blake Parker has been able to give you some good innings. I like what I'm seeing out of Brian Shaw right now. Even someone like Justin Garza has been able to give you a couple decent innings. And then with the Minnesota Twins, Alex Calme has been 
been a big giant waste of money for this team. Kyle Bearclaw is someone that they're kicking the tires on. He entered into yesterday with about a 9 ERA. Jorge Alcala is not necessarily been able to get the job done for this team. Caleb Theobar is all over the place. This is a spot in which I want to saying the Cleveland Indians as a relatively sizable favorite here, more like a minus 136. I did wind up saying the solo 9.2 as well. So we're taking the over and I'm going to be taking the plus price here with Cleveland. 973-974 on the bank board. The Houston Astros hit the road face off against the Texas Rangers. Koji Iahara is going to be going for the Rangers. Jose Urikiri is going to be going for the Astros. Astros find themselves between minus 194 and minus 201. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Rangers, it is anywhere between plus 170 and plus 184 with your total at 9. Over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And for Koji Iahara, you can't expect him to necessarily give you a bunch of length. Wound up beginning the year as a starter. Wound up spending many, many months on the injured list. So this is going to be his third appearance really ever since the beginning of the month of May. And in his two appearances ever since coming out the injured list. Hasn't been great, but it hasn't necessarily been long. He's went a combined eight innings, giving up three runs and two homers in that time span. Walks have not necessarily been an issue. Only one walk in this time span, but overall for the year, three walks given up per nine innings. Not a swing and miss guy. Only going to give you right around six strikeouts per nine innings. And just ever since coming over from the NPB, the Nippon Baseball League of Japan, has not been good. And in Arlington, in his four starts, a 9.22 ERA. An opponent's ring a 281 off of him. He's a pitcher to contact guy going up against the Houston Astros. That is not necessarily what you want. Meanwhile, take a look at Jose Urikidi and his strikeouts to walk rate is always just so much better at home than he does on the road. At home, it's right around like an 8-ish. On the road, it's more like a 2, but at the same time, he's been able to do a better job of being able to limit things on the road, giving up right around 1.2 home runs per 9 innings, and his walks per 9 is right around a 2.2 on the road as well, so he's been able to do a relatively solid job there so far this year. Has given up the deep ball a tad overall with 1.3 home runs per 9 innings across home and road starts, but opponents are in at 221 off of him, and then you've got an Astros lineup that it is locked, loaded, and ready for bear. Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, Yuli Gurriel, Kyle Tucker, along the Jordan Alvarez, all hitting at least at 275 for this bunch. Really, all of these guys, aside from Alex Bregman, 22 plus home runs so far this year. Michael Brantley sitting above a 300. You've been able to get a little bit of something recently out of Jose Siri, who I believe has been filling in for Brantley, so that has been great. And for the Texas Rangers, Adolis Garcia does have 29 home runs for you so far this year. He's been able to ride around at 245 along Nick Solak, and then got a pair of guys in between about a 260 to a 270. You've got Yoni Hernandez along Nate Lowe and Isaiah Canera Falafa, and you've been able to get something out of Yohan Pozo sitting nearly a 300, but then you've got a lot of guys in right around 200. DJ Peters, Leody Tavares. You've got pretty much every single guy that the team has been trying at the DH spot, not named Nick Solak in that fold as well. Though I will say, for DJ Turn It Up Peters, he has been able to give the team 11 home runs, and pretty much all but one of them have come in the last three days. So he has been able to produce a little bit of something there. And for the Texas Rangers, Jarrell Khan is starting to give you a little bit of something on the bullpen. Spencer Penn has been relatively solid along with Brett Martin, but at the same time, whenever you have to throw out there some of these longer guys, it has not been going well for you. And Joe Barlow, a sub 2 ER. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Astros bullpen and Ryan Presley has been lights out for the team all year long. Kendall Graveman, Yimi Garcia, these guys are giving you some good innings. Even as someone like a Ryan Sanic is someone I do have a little bit of faith in. When it comes to the Astros, probably going to be targeting a run line in this spot. And if you're looking at that run line, you are going to be finding it anywhere between a minus 123 and a minus 130. I was willing to lay up to about a minus 130 in the spot. So we're going to be taking a shot here on that Astros run line. Did wind up setting the solid 9.6 as well because I do think that Iahara is going to give up quite a few runs. So taking the over along that Astros run line. 975-976 on the main board. The Chicago White Sox are going to be playing us to the LA Angels. 
Jansen Junk is going to be going for the Angels. Meanwhile, Dallas Keuchel is going to be going for the White Sox. Only DraftKings has a line on this one because they didn't know that the Angels would be throwing Junk to the mound as you've got a minus 180 price on the White Sox and a plus 155 on the Angels. 8.5 is your total over and under both at minus 110. I want no part of Junk in this spot, both in this game and both in my life in general. So there is that aspect of it as Jansen Junk in his first start, it didn't necessarily go as planned. Now, a lot of these runs were unearned, but in three and two-thirds innings, he wound up giving up five runs and two home runs to the poopy Texas Rangers, who came into that game as the second-worst road team in all of baseball, and he was pitching at home. Meanwhile, for Dallas Keuchel, it has been really rough for him recently. You just take a look at what has been happening, and oh, good gravy, it has been bad. In the month of August, he posted up a 743 NRA, and now in the month of September, it's gotten worse, as in his last two starts, both of which have come in the month of September, he combined 11 runs, given up an 8 and 2 thirds inning. So, really, ever since the beginning of the month of August, he's got an ERA that's touching right around 8. He's given up the deep ball time and time again, has now allowed 13 home runs over the course of his last, I believe now, 11 starts. So, it has not been good, and that's putting it very politely. He's become a pitcher contact guy, and, well, the contact is being hit very hard as... Opponents are getting about a 278 off of him overall. His box per nine rate, that is ballooned up north of three as well. But you take a look at the Chicago White Sox team, and they are going to be able to back him up very well with a whole bunch of bats. Meanwhile, this is an Angels team that, ever since the All-Star break, second fewest runs per game of any team out there in the big leagues. Shoei Otani, over the last 40 days, he has a batting average that's hovering right around the Mendoza line of 200. Eight home runs in that time span. Now, you do have quite a few guys getting on base for you. Jared Walsh, Phil Gosselin, David Fletcher, only between about a 272 and 280, but for Fletcher... He's hitting about a 240 ever since the beginning of the month of August. Jared Walsh has four home runs ever since the All-Star break. Jack Mayfield, along with Luis Ranifo, both of these guys are hitting below a 210. Max Sassy and Brandon Marsh have both been able to give you a little bit of something in between about a 252 or 260 apiece. Then you take a look at the White Sox and got a lot of guys in the lineup in between, I would say, about a 255 to a 270. Jose Abreu, Yoan Moncada, Lurie Garcia, Eloy Jimenez, and then when you take a look at Mr. Abreu, who right now leads the league in RBI with 107 at a double-digit amount of homers in the month of August. It's been a little bit colder with the deep ball here in the last week or so, but still doing a good job. And the good news for the team, Tim Anderson is back. He wound up coming off the injured list yesterday. He's hitting at 300. Luis Robert is hitting well above a 335. Gavin Sheets along Cesar Hernandez. Not necessarily the world's greatest batting averages, but they're able to give you a tad bit of something. And yes, Monty Grandal, ever since he wound up coming off the injured list, has been amazing. Going into the game yesterday, ever since coming off the injured list, 452 batting average, and he had six home runs in his first 42 at-bats. So that tells you where he's at right there. And with the White Sox, you've got Craig Kimbrell along with William Hendricks in that bullpen. Now, Jose Ruiz along with Ryan Tapera have actually been very solid. You've seen Aaron Bummer, Michael Kopech. They've had their ups and downs, but certainly with the LA Angels, it's been tough for them. Rossi Iglesias has been able to do his good job. And Steve Ciszek, it will give you a little bit of something along with their young guy in Andrew Wants, but at the same time, when you're looking to someone like a Mike Myers, Elvis Peguero, Jake Patrika, that's not necessarily what you want. This is a spot in which, despite the fact that You've got a guy in Dallas Keuchel that has really struggled recently. I said the White Sox is a minus 190 favorite on the money line, on the run line. I'd be willing to lay a little bit of a price. And when it comes to this total, a 9.5 or lower, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. A 10 or higher, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. So 
getting these DraftKings lines, I would be looking at the White Sox run line and the over on this one, but obviously things should populate in the AM. 977, 978 on the main board. The Kansas City Royals are going to be playing against the Oakland A's. Chaminet is going to be going for the A's. Mike Miner hopes it not be a major disappointment for the Royals. Total on this game's 8.5, over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105, with the Royals going to be getting them between plus 130 and plus 135. Price on the Oakland A's is anywhere between minus 144 and minus 150. This is a spot in which I was willing to take the Royals as long as I was getting at least a plus 135, and good gosh darn it, we have barely gotten there with Mike Miner. I do recognize that he's had his ups and downs so far this year, but he also take a look at Sean Manet, and he hasn't necessarily been as effective as he was at the beginning of the year himself. Now, in his last two starts, he has been able to rein it in, giving up a combined three runs in his two starts against the White Sox and the Toronto Blue Jays across 14 innings. That's a very good sign because in the month of August, he wound up posting up a 9.90 ERA, giving up at least three runs in four out of his five starts, wound up giving up eight home runs over the course of 20 innings. So it certainly has been a little bit rocky for him ever since the beginning of the month of August. And then you take a look at Mike Miner, and just overall this year, he has been giving up a little bit of the deep ball as this is a man whose home runs per nine rate is hovering right around about a 1.5-ish home and road and home and road has been relatively consistent. A 491 road ERA, a 518 home ERA in 81 and two-thirds innings at home has given up 13 home runs at opponents. Both home and road are getting a 252 off of them but for the Kansas City Royals, They've got a bullpen ERA that ranks in the top six in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. You've been able to have Josh Shame. I'll give you some good innings. Domingo Tapia, to my surprise, has an ERA that is touching right around two right now. Jake Brent, Scott Barlow, these guys have been able to get the job done. And for Lutrovino, over the last 30 days, it has been unsightly bad for him. A north of six ERA. You've seen Diolis Guerrera be able to give you a little bit of something, but they had to DFA J.B. Wendelkamp because he was not getting the job done. Andrew Chafin, he's been able to do a solid job along Jake Diekman, but we've even seen Sergio Romo not necessarily have the world's greatest time of it, but but then you take a look at the Oakland A's bats, and you've been able to get a lot out of Matt Olson so far this year, hitting at 275, 34 home runs. And the fact that you've been dealing with a little bit of an injury recently to Matt Chapman hurts because ever since the beginning of the month of August, he's been able to give this team 12 home runs. His on base has been right around about a 360. And if you're taking a look at on bases overall, you've got Mr. Olson, who I wanted mentioning a little bit earlier, Sterling Marte of the Marte Parte, Josh Harrison, Mark Hanna, Tony Kemp, all these guys at least a 350 on base. You've got a lot of guys in between about 14 to 16 home runs in shot. Murphy, Seth Brown is someone that you're able to throw in there as well. Ramon Laureano was in there as well, but he's out to the PEDs. That's not necessarily great. And then you take a look at the Kansas City Royals and it's been all about Salvador Perez. 42 home runs, 105 RBI going into yesterday. He and Whit Merrifield in between about a 270 to a 280. You've got Ender Benatendi along with Adalberto Mondesi, and you've even got a little bit of a younger outfielder and Kyle Isabel only between about a 265 to a 275. You've had Ryan O'Hearn not necessarily do the job. He, Carlos Santana, Hunter Dozier in between about a 205 to a 225, but even answer Alberto when he's been in there, so maybe give you a little bit of something. So, this is a spot in which the Oakland A's should be a little bit of a favorite, but I think that this is a little bit too high just with the way that Chaminea has been recently shaky. So, going to be taking the plus price here of the Royals. Set this all at 9.2, so going to be going over as well. And wrap things up with the interleague game between the Milwaukee Brewers and the Detroit Tigers. 979, 980 on the bank board. Matt Manning going to be going for the Tigres. Brandon Woodruff is going to be going for the Brewers. The Road Brewers are finding themselves as massive favorites. Any between minus 204 and minus 220. Meanwhile, plus price with the Tigers is any between plus 180 and plus $2. Nine is your total. Unders any between minus 115 and minus 120. The overs any between even a minus 105. For Woodruff, it certainly has been an interesting year for him as 
He has been starting to have a couple of shaky performances, but still, you take a look at it, and he deserves a whole heck of a lot better than a 9 and 8 record. A 248 ERA on the road. He's been relatively consistent to what he's done at home. 258 road ERA. A 5 and 6 road record, by the way. What the heck is happening there? But giving up less than home run per nine innings. Now his walks per nine on the road is right around three, but opponents are in a buck 66 whenever he's away from Milwaukee. Meanwhile, you take a look at Mr. Manning, and he has been significantly better at home than he has been on the road. 767 road ERA, 472 home ERA. In seven starts, 34 and a third innings at home. He's only given up four home runs. His walks per nine rate, that's right around about a four-ish, so that's a little bit of an issue. And overall, opponents are a 305 off of him, and this is a Milwaukee Brewers team that they do need to get a little bit of something going with the bats. They were unable to get pretty much anything generated yesterday. Colton Wong, though, he has been able to hit a 280 for this bunch, along with Omar Narvaez. He's got a lot of guys in between about a 250 to a 260 for this team. Lorenzo Cain, Luis Urias, Christian Yelich, Eduardo Escobar, with Eduardo Escobar along with Avisail Garcia. Both of these guys, 27 home runs so far this year. You've got Urias, who now is at 20 bombs for the season. Daniel Fogelback is back in the fold as well. Then you take a look at the Detroit Tigers, and they have not necessarily been able to get a lot of power at Jonathan Scope recently. You take a look at it ever since the All-Star break, and I believe that he's got four home runs. It's not been great there, but he's still hitting a 280 for the team. And then you do have Jameer Candelario, 275 batting average. He and Robbie Grossman both have right around a 353 on base. Grossman along with Eric Koss between 20 and 22 home runs. You've got Nico Goodrum, Willie Castro, Zach Short. These guys are in a 220 or lower, but Akil Badu, he's hitting a 260 for the team, so that has been relatively solid. And then you take a look at the Detroit Tigers bullpen, and ever since the All-Star break, it's been the uh, top 10 when it comes to ERA. You've had a couple guys like a Michael Former actually look a little bit better for this team. Guys like OCC Serrano, they've been a little bit more consistent. I like what you've been able to get out of Kyle Funkhauser, aside from last Monday against the Pittsburgh Pirates, in which we wound up costing me my under, but still, you've been able to get some good performances here. And then with the Milwaukee Brewers, you got Jay Cousins with a sub-2 ERA, Devin Williams, Josh Shader, just the best 8th and ninth inning duo, in my opinion, in all baseball. And even someone like a Hunter Strickland, Brad Boxberger. These guys have been relatively solid. So I do think that the Milwaukee Bears should be a sizable favorite on the money line. I set them more around a minus 220. On the run line, I was willing to lay up to a minus 135. Finding this anywhere between minus 128 and minus 135. So getting up there, but still willing to lay the Brewers run line in the spot. I did wind up setting the sold out at some point, eh, because I do think that Woodruff is going to be dealing. So going under along with that Brewers run line. And that'll wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Wednesday. A big thanks to Ben Wilson of the Vegas Sets and Information Network for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe or every your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters ZM. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review in the comments box. Going to be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. 